This is Anthony and Areno, and you're listening to In the Arena. I've always been a fan of people who can take a big idea and condense it down into something that's super useful but super small, which means you can read it in a sitting or two sittings at the most and still capture all of the value. And when I saw Ken Blanchard and Claire Diaz-Ortez's new book, One Minute Mentoring, I picked the book up because I like the idea of mentoring and being mentored. It's been super useful in my life. So I invited Claire Diaz-Ortiz onto the show. She's an author, a speaker, a technology innovator, and she was one of the original first employees at Twitter, where she spent five and a half years, which we talk about. But I brought her on the show to talk about mentoring specifically. How do you find a mentor? How do you work with a mentor? And if you are a mentor, how do you make sure that your mentee succeeds? This is a killer little book, like all of Ken Blanchard's stuff. And Claire enticed him somehow to write this book with her, and it's spectacular. So, with no further ado, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, In the Arena. Hi, Claire. How are you? I am great. Thanks so much for chatting today. What are things like in Argentina right now? Well, we are in the, the full swing of autumn right now, which is typically lovely. This is a great month. And yeah, I'm I'm in my home office looking out on looking out on the lake and there's some birds doing some migration thing I have I have yet to have read and understood, but <laughs> but it seems to happen every six months. So yeah, things are well. So it's not the same on the other half of the world. It's a very, <laughs> you have a different weather conditions and different seasons. Right. It's an interesting perspective. Well, I appreciate you taking time to talk about your book with Ken Blanchard, One Minute Mentoring. And I, I want to just ask some general questions about mentoring. And so the book is a wonderful book. It's a parable. And it is li- like all of the one minute books. It's brilliant. And, you know, the concept of being able to do something with an insight in a short period of time has always been useful. But having the ability to read something that reads like this, it's such a fast story read. I think it's going to serve people really well if they're thinking about this. And more and more people are asking me about being a mentor or how to find a mentor or they want to mentor. So this is a timely book. What brought this book to your attention? Why did you participate in writing this book now? So, you know, I've always been a huge, huge fan of mentoring. You know, in my own life, it has sort of come at me from two different directions. I have been very, very guided in my career by key mentors. And then sort of in the space of life, I've also spent a lot of time mentoring. So I had, you know, long understood the value of mentoring and sort of had always dreamed of being able to collaborate on such a book in this way. And so when Ken and I started working on this a few years ago together, I, you know, had high hopes for 
for what it would be like. And, you know, to be totally candid, my hopes were all about, you know, how I would be mentored, right, by Ken Blanchard, who was someone I had long admired. I'd, I'd read his books for years. And it was such an interesting experience working with him through this because, yes, Ken mentored me, but, I mean, he's been very kind to say that in other ways I mentored him. And I think that is kind of a, a special part of, of the journey. And the book itself, you know, as you say, it's like a, it's a story, right? And in that story, we tell a story of kind of a similar thing happening of, of sort of the older, wiser mentor teaching the mentee, but the mentee at the same time teaching the mentor. So I think it was quite fitting for me that I had such this kind of such an enlightening mentoring experience as we were going through the process of writing it. It's interesting that you say that because I think to be a good mentor, you have to be open to learning from a mentee. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I honestly don't think I realize that. I'm not sure that everybody who is in the mentor role understands that that's what's possible to them through the relationship. Mm -hmm. but, but I do think it's, it's um, if you're open to it, you can learn a lot from a lot of people's experiences. And I think particularly now younger people. Mm -hmm. who just Absolutely. Have a, a different view. Let me just get really fundamental because in this podcast, we're going to send people out to pick up the book. But what, what I want to talk about is some of the concepts that I get asked about that the book addresses. And the first one is, if I feel like I need a mentor. So first off, does that mean that there's something missing or that there's something wrong, that I have something that needs to be solved and I need somebody to help me fix it? I want you to answer that. And then if you would, the, the follow-up question to that is, if I do decide I need a mentor, how do I find one? Sure. So I think it's it's really interesting that you bring up that question. Does it mean that, you know, I have something wrong, that I have something that needs to be solved and fixed? And the answer is can come at you sort of from two different directions. In some ways, if you are looking for a mentor, maybe you do have something more specific you want to work on. But for the most part, what I believe and I think what Ken believes about mentoring is that mentoring is something that can help anyone no matter where you are. And that honestly, if you are already in kind of a bind and know you have a specific thing that needs to be worked on, probably what you're looking for is really a coach in a specific area. So we honestly see mentoring as, as sort of a more general way to level up in your life, essentially, in your life or in your business and what sort of ever direction you want your mentoring to be targeted at. But so I do not think mentoring is about finding yourself in a place where you need it. I think mentoring instead is, is really about taking advantage of someone else's wisdom and using that to help you succeed or live a more fulfilled life. But before now, you talk about the how, let me let me go back and just have you go over this ground. There's a difference between a mentor and a coach. And I think there's a tremendous amount of confusion about what those two roles are and the differences. Can you share your view of that before we go on to the how? Sure. So the view that, you know, Ken and I sort of agreed on together as we were working on this book is that essentially, typically a coach and, you know, this comes out of, you know, Ken runs a large company and they have many, many coaches that that train and then go on to implement their practices with clients within that company. So, you know, he comes at this from a very sort of strong background and a strong, strong perspective that the difference between coaching and mentoring is that coaching typically is, is a shorter term engagement with a specific tactic or issue that needs to be improved upon. And mentoring, in contrast, while you might have a mission statement, which is something we encourage, you know, mentors and mentees to have, 
Mentoring is really sort of more a holistic approach to improving in in your life or maybe in your business. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think the the coaching you're working on more specific outcomes and it's a different type of relationship. Also, I think for a lot of people who are are very concerned about their own growth and development, they pay for coaching and they get a coach and they have a great relationship with that coach. But a mentor is a different type of relationship. And those aren't, I mean, I've never seen any paid mentorships, but there's more of a, a relationship that exists where we may not have the formal sort of coaching frequency and the same sort of coaching outcomes and the same sort of accountability. It, it feels different. Absolutely. And I think one sort of other myth that can come out of this, though, is this idea that because it is a different relationship, that means that maybe mentoring in some way has to be an organic relationship. And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, the way we write the story in One Minute Mentoring is about someone who is really looking for a mentor and goes out and finds one. And so a, I think sometimes there is this for myth. a mentee in your case, in the case well, of the story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so... What I think, though, is that sometimes people think of this idea of mentoring as that has to be something that just a mentor has to be someone that falls from the sky or happens to sit next to you on the plane or, you know, you get it when you don't know you need it. And I don't actually think that is the case. Yeah, me either. The question that I get most frequently is how do I find that mentor? So this is, you know, I think one of the most common questions and and one of the hardest questions when it comes to mentoring. So the first answer, of course, is that it depends on the type of mentor you seek. So we talk about a few different types of mentors in the book. You know, you've got just as some examples, you've got the peer to peer mentor who might be someone if if you are new in, in a company or you've transitioned into a new department within your company, this might be a, a colleague or coworker who can help sort of show you the ropes, right? Then you've got the adolescent or or mentor to a teen, let's say, or an adolescent, which is, you know, a typical example would be a large nonprofit in the US, the Boys and Girls Club, right, where you are helping a, a younger person sort of get their legs in life. Then you've got what Ken and I represent, which is really this idea of cross-generational mentoring, where I am already an adult, but but Ken is of a different generation than I am. And so we are able to teach each other in different areas. So I think first things first is sort of getting it a lay for the land of some of the different types of mentoring and then getting an idea of maybe what type of mentoring you think might work for you, for you in your life. And then once you kind of make that determination, you've got a few different sort of roadmaps to follow. I talk to a lot of people who work within organizations, they're in a corporation or in a nonprofit or whatever it may be. And I think that the absolute first place to start if you are looking for a mentor within your field and specifically within your organization is to really, you know, go to your human resources department, simply because mentoring in the last decade has become so popular that I bet there is likely a mentoring program already in the works or already in existence if you work at, you know, a medium to large size organization. And if you don't, coming up, bringing up this idea to your HR team is is likely going to be, you know, welcomed with open arms, simply because so many people these days are seeing the value of it. What's interesting to me about that is that I have a different experience where I don't see much of that going on. And you see more of it maybe because of the types of companies you work with. But what's interesting to me about what you said is I think we underestimate what it's like for a person to come into a company and be expected to succeed in this new environment 
where they don't have the relationships yet. Maybe they don't even have the skills that they need for the job yet. They don't have the competence or the confidence yet necessarily that they're going to have. And I think we underestimate how stressful that that can be and how difficult it can be for somebody to be cast into this new role and not really know where to get the support. And I, I have the same experience. I think if you have someone who's a mentor within the organization that can help you sort of get your feet underneath you inside the organization, the speed to results and generally how you feel about what you're doing tends to be far more positive. I love that phrase, the speed to results. I mean, I think this idea that, you know, we begin in an industry or we begin in a company and we are supposed to figure it out on our own is is so unfortunate because there are so many people who are already there to help us. And then as as Ken would say, there are so many people sort of in in that third quarter of life or, you know, that third portion of their life where they're maybe on on their way out the door, they're retiring, and yet those people could be used in a great way to provide support to that sort of younger generation. So that's a huge lost opportunity. L- let's stay on cross-generational for just a minute. It, it, it just strikes me that the mentors that I've had that have probably been most beneficial in my life were from another generation. And I think specifically it was their experience base and what I call situational knowledge, just having had certain things happen that gave them a certain belief and a certain experience and the ability to apply that to different scenarios. And when you have enough of those over enough years, you start to get I, what, what I'm going to say the mentors that I've had had a very principle-based understanding of how to operate, and they were all more character-focused concepts more than tactical, you should do this. The conversations that we had, I think, from their experience always ended up being something more about who you are and not what you do. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a a great sort of entryway into something that a little thing in the book that I really love, which is this idea that when you are kind of deciding if, you know, if you've identified someone that might be a mentor for you or might be a mentee for you, one of the things to think about is, you know, as you get to know each other in that in that relationship, you know, what is the essence versus the form? So what is the essence of that relationship? And is that really going to work for you? Do you really know each other on that level before you kind of move into, you know, the next kind of formality of of the mentoring relationship, which is figuring out how this is all going to work. But I absolutely think that making sure that you connect is really important. And I think as, as you kind of alluded to earlier, is much more important in mentoring than it might be in, you know, coaching, say. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that. So we've made a selection, we have somebody, and let's say we have this mentoring relationship. I want to talk about what the mentee's responsibility is in that. If you could speak to that, what's the, the mentee's role in making sure that this relationship works for them? So I think the mentee has a lot of responsibility and a big role. And that may be another myth that people do not realize when they think about mentoring. You know, they think it's it's all up to the mentor to make sure that something good comes out of this. And that's really not the case. So first and foremost, you know, the mentee and the mentor, they both need to come up with some sort of mission statement, some sort of sense of purpose of, of the point of this mentoring relationship, of this mentoring partnership and where it can go. So that should not just be be on the shoulders of the mentor, the mentee definitely has to 
has to get on board. I would say then the next step would be that we talk about the importance of engaging and engaging in a in a regular manner in a mentoring partnership. And that is absolutely just as much up to the mentee as the mentor, right? You can't have one person sort of pushing the cart up the hill to try to meet regularly, whether it's, you know, on Skype or in person. You need to both be committed and to and to show up when it is time to be committed. So so those are sort of the first two things that I would say are are just as important for the mentee than the mentor. And I would say one further thing that I think often falls on the shoulders more of the mentee than the mentor is this idea of networking. So, you know, one of the huge, huge benefits of mentoring is that if you develop a positive mentoring partnership, the mentor and the mentee can both be exposed to, you know, the benefits of the other person's network, right? Which is something that can be very healthy and and very fulfilling, particularly in, you know, if you're talking about your career, right? Now, this is more risky, though, from the mentee's perspective, right? Because the mentee typically has a smaller network than the mentor. And so this means that it's more important than ever for the mentee when you're thinking about the power of expanding upon your mentor's network that you really tread lightly and make sure that you take care of those connections and don't don't misuse them. And there is a moment in our book, One Minute Mentoring, that sort of shows the common ways that I think mentees who often, you know, are are younger, let's say, can go about kind of misusing those connections, which I think is is a an easy thing to do, but a really, you know, destructive thing to do. Yeah, that's an interesting point to make. And I think I I see that as well. Like you have these connections and that's what I'm really getting access to. And it can feel different. Mm -hmm. It can can cause it to feel different. Let me ask you to talk about one minute mentoring in the advice and the application of advice. I mean, and this is what Ken's been doing for a long time is Mm -hmm. dispensing an insight quickly. Share as much of that as you can. And we'll still point people to get the book because they need to read it. But tell me about the the theory of applying the mentoring advice from the mentee standpoint. Sure. So, I mean, what we are basically proposing in this book, this book is a story, but what we believe beyond this story is that there is sort of a simple framework that can make mentoring partnerships work and make them sort of work more effectively than oftentimes what you see sort of out and about in the world. And so what we came up with was basically this simple framework. It's called the mentor framework. And it basically just uses the word mentor as as an acronym to, to teach you about six sort of key steps in creating a powerful mentoring partnership. So the first step in that is coming up with a mission statement for your mentoring partnership. I think this does not have to sound, you know, scary and big and formal, but it is really, you know, setting a roadmap for what are you really trying to accomplish here. The next step E is all about engagement and determining sort of the rules of engagement for you. You know, when are you going to meet? Maybe where are you going to meet? What types of interactions are you are you hoping to have out of this? How regular are those interactions going to be and how are we going to hold each other accountable to make sure that we keep this relationship top of mind? The next step is really all about sort of networking and making sure that your mentor exposes their network to the mentee and the mentee does the same because that is really the way that you both can sort of level up in terms of of moving forward most quickly 
And as you say, you know, showing that speed to results thing. And the next step would be trust. A mentoring relationship is all about trust. It absolutely depends on trust. You're going to be sharing a lot of details about your life, many details of which you maybe don't typically share with other people. And so it's really important to make sure that the relationship at at all sort of moments is is really prioritizing that that trust and that bond. Finally, so we've done M-E-N-T and we've got O and it's all about looking for new opportunities around you. And I think that's really important. You know, as I say, when I sort of came into my mentoring relationship with Ken, I expected to be the mentee, but I didn't really expect to also in some ways be the mentor. And when you realize, oh, hey, you're the mentor also, then you can start thinking about ways that you can think of opportunities, whether small or big, that your partner and your mentoring partnership might be able to sort of latch on to and that might really help them. And then finally, I think any good mentoring partnership has to make sure that they're prioritizing this idea of reviewing and making sure that they are really on track. You know, it's very easy to sort of say, this is where we want to go and head off in your boat, but never sort of look behind you and see if you got there. And so that's one thing that I think is really, really critical to be doing on a regular basis is kind of making sure that you are where you want to be. And if it's the time to think about, hey, should this mentoring relationship continue or should it sort of be backburnered for a while. That's also an important discussion. So overall, that's pretty much the framework that we talk about in the book. And again, the book is is a story, right? But it's a story that uses this framework sometimes without without you really even knowing you're, you're hearing about a framework. Well, yes and no. And then it, it, the first 98 pages, but the back of the book, I think, is is a useful thing to point people to. So you've got a section in there where you describe the different types of mentoring and you talk about new hire mentoring and peer-to-peer and cross-generational and adult-to-adolescent. And I, I think that even those two short pages, for someone who wants to apply this to their work, and that's something that I would recommend, especially new hires and peer-to-peer, anti-companies, I just think it's so tough for people to really get in the culture and know how to get things done. And I work predominantly with salespeople and selling inside your own company can be harder than selling an actual client and Mm -hmm. relationships end up being extraordinarily valuable. But at the back, you've actually got the insights and you also have a section where you go through the mentor acronym. So somebody who wanted this could follow it almost like a recipe, in my opinion, to think about, okay, what does this relationship look like? And it's, it's actionable enough that I think somebody just reading the book could put it together. Yeah, I mean, I love hearing that because that was definitely the vision in doing that back section. I think it's it's hard when you think about, okay, how can you create a business book that can deliver the most value, right? And I think sometimes we think there are two ways to go. There's the story or there's the more dry text, right? And I think being able to have that section in the back makes it actionable. And yet at the same time, it it goes along with a powerful story. So I love hearing that. I want to touch on two more things. One, I want to touch on something that's touched in this story, but I want to touch about the honesty in this relationship and the sort of vulnerability that you have to have. You know, and the story starts off with Josh, the character, even talking to his parents and just being open and open about the challenge and the problem of is what I'm doing, what I'm supposed to be doing. 
Can you just speak to that that kind of truthfulness in the the mentor-mentee relationship and being willing to expose what might be perceived as a weakness by many people? Absolutely. And I think, you know, before even talking about sort of the importance of honesty or truthfulness in the relationship, you know, we've got to just sort of address the fact that you've got to be truthful and honest with yourself. And likely if you've if you've thought about, you know, picking up a book about mentoring, you're already doing that to some extent. But it's important to realize, do you need support? And, you know, support isn't a, a bad thing in any way. And it doesn't mean that you might already be rocking at life. It just means you want to take things to a different level, right? And finding guidance from someone else is a fantastic way to do that. So I think the first step is, of course, being honest with yourself about what you might need and where you might be able to find that. But then, of course, once you are sort of digging into a mentoring partnership, it's really important to try to put yourself out there, obviously, you know, within limits. This isn't too much information time necessarily, but to be honest and be authentic because that's really how you're going to get the most power out of it. And it's interesting that you bring up this idea of sort of truthfulness and honesty because when we were writing this book, we got some comments from early readers actually that they weren't certain that the authenticity of the mentor character Diane in the book was maybe they weren't sure it was it was potentially accurate or realistic that someone of her level would be opening up and sharing with her mentee and it was so funny to me to get these comments because you know I I felt very convicted in writing this that no this is how a you know powerful mentoring partnership really should play out you know a mentor has to be able to be authentic to some degree and so it was interesting to kind of see the pushback from early readers and I think that some of that pushback from some of these these individuals that that read it early on sort of highlights some of the reason why mentoring at times can be kind of done wrong in our society these days, right? We maybe think of it as, as a way just for the mentee to sort of gain some wisdom, but not as a way for the mentor to sort of pull back the kimono a bit and share enough so that they can change and grow at the same time. I mean, most of the mentor's experience was probably hard won in the first place. You get insight and wisdom from messing up and learning and adjusting, not from being born perfect. I mean, the mm-hmm. the years that somebody has, most of the lessons they learned came from when things went wrong as much as when things went right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? We learn, I think we can learn so much more from failure than we ever did from success, right? Unfortunately, that's how we tend to learn as human <laughs> beings. It'd be better if it was just installed as instinct from birth, like other animals, but we start from <gasps> the gradual, zero. the gradual curve up to the right, right? That's what it's like. Exactly. Okay. So last question, totally off subject of the book, but I have to know, Twitter is my favorite social media platform still. Mm-hmm. My first mm-hmm. love, my true love, I think it's pure. <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh... I don't know. You know, I it's so strange to me to watch a company that as a platform and as a service has had such incredible success, right? I mean, you love it, right? You say it's your favorite social media platform. It's obviously my favorite social media platform as well. People use it constantly and it has changed the way we think about really news and real-time information in, in many senses of the word. And yet from the outside, there's just so much negativity because of the company itself and the problems they are now facing within the company. I, I use the pronoun they because I'm no longer with them, of right. course. And it just makes me so sad because I think that when you have a product that is so 
well loved by by so many people, there there must be a path to sort of figuring things out from the inside so that we can all sort of celebrate together. So I, I guess I guess that's what I'm, you know, crossing my fingers for. I, I think I think there must be a way, right? I mean, h- how many times a day do you check Twitter? A ton, right? Me too. A ton. A ton. Right? I love Twitter. I love it more than Facebook or Instagram. It's still my favorite. It was my the first one that I really started to use and understand. And I want them to be profitable. I want them mm-hmm. to find a model that works. And I want them to get a, a little bit greater control over the negativity, which I think it's it's somebody's platform. And I think it's okay to establish rules. It's interesting. I write a blog and I used to have comments enabled and I took one person's comments down because they were harmful and hurtful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, he sent me a note telling me I was violating his First Amendment rights. And I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's welcome mm-hmm. to say everything he wants to, but just not on my platform. Right. And Terms th- of service. <laughs> yeah, I think there's 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 some of that that it has had a propensity to allow negative people to spread anger and hatred and and that kind of stuff. But even with that, all in all, on the whole, I think it's a positive thing and I hope they find a way. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I just think in my experience, if one group of people can build something, but they don't have the mindset or the skill set to make it a profitable business, there are other people who do know how to do that. And I think that somebody will figure it out. At least that's my hope. And I think that's my belief as well. I mean, I think that is at least the hope that I'm clinging to. Me too. Because we want our Twitter. We do. We do. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your book. I love the book. I love the the parable. And I haven't read a parable book in a long time. But it reminds me of how shockingly fast you can get a concept when you read it in a short story like this. It's Mm -hmm. literally, I mean, a couple hours reading at best. You can get through Mm -hmm. it. And I will again just say I really like the end where you sort of get a little bit more prescriptive for people who want to do this. You can figure out how to do it with the book One Minute Mentoring very, very quickly. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Super appreciated. That was Claire Diaz-Ortiz, and her new book is One Minute Mentoring, How to Find and Work with a Mentor and Why You'll Benefit from Being One. Written with Ken Blanchard, the New York Times bestselling author of The New One Minute Manager and about a dozen other books. Go find Claire in the show notes. We'll send you a link to pick up the book on Amazon.com as well as to find Claire. I'm Anthony Anarino. You can find me at thesalesblog.com where I write and publish daily. You can also find me at youtube.com where I do a daily video blog, usually four to five minutes of content that you can immediately put to use. When you show up there, do sign up for the newsletter, My Best Work, every week, thesalesblog.com forward slash newsletter, and I will see you next time in the arena. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.